This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are we going? Uh, doing very well, thank you. Mm. Thomas, cracking show, so let's get straight into it. Uh, it looks like everything is now moving to the metaverse, even recessions. Uh, at least Meta has blamed macro conditions for being hugely unpopular with people. Uh, Thomas, I've got a joke. Mm. Great. Why are American chickens immune from inflation? Uh, why? Because they're flightless birds, so they can't go up. Also because Costco controls the entire supply chain in the US. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Could the you-wouldn't-steal-a-car anti-piracy ads from the early 2000s actually be responsible for increased movie piracy and like a crowd getting behind a fast bowler coming in off the long run-up the US share market was gearing up for a wicket, but once again, the US Fed played the forward defensive and raised rates. Thomas, what did we learn from the US rate hikes last week? Yeah, no, well, it was big. So, I mean, rates are still heading up everywhere in the world. As we flagged last week, we we're expecting 25 from the RBA. We got that. Um, we also got 75 basis points from the Fed. Um, and markets didn't like that. The Nasdaq closed down 3.4% at the end mm. of the day. They were a bit surprised. The interesting thing about it, though, is like the 75 basis points, that was fully expected and priced in. What wasn't expected was how hawkish uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell was going to come out sounding in his press conference after after the rate hike, I'm still I'm still getting my head around which one's hawkish and which one's dovish. In fact, I think I might flag this for a future episode mm. where we just break down some of this jargon that's flying around at the moment. Mm. Because, I mean, I, I know I should know hawkish and dovish, but I don't know I don't know why we need both. I mean, why well, obviously one's the opposite of the other, but yeah. Yeah, we break there it isn't down. really hawkish means yeah more inclined to raise rates. Dovish means less inclined to raise rates, more inclined to, to cut rates. There's a better way. Chickenish to Chickenish means neatly. you're just running away. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's sort of another classic case in the week. Like stocks were rising through the week on the sort of growing confidence that the pivot might be coming. Is another piece of jargon that. Mm. You know, at some point there's going to be a pivot where the Fed goes, okay, we're done hiking, we're going to move towards cutting. 
Um, and markets were starting to think that that was maybe closer than expected. I think because the Fed, the Fed had flagged that the, the pace of hikes was probably going to slow from after this meeting, that this might be the last 75 basis point hike. Mm. And it's worth remembering, like we've had in the past 30 years, there have been five 75 basis point hikes. Four of them have happened in the past six months. Yeah, wow. When was the other one? Was it was it like some big cataclysmic event? That triggered yeah. that one too? I don't know, actually. That's mm. a good question. Yeah. I'll look that up. I'll get the research team out there. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, research team! <laughs> this was interesting too. The, the thing I heard was interesting was like there's no, there's not necessarily we go up and then we stop and then we start going back down. Like mm-hmm. they can just hold rates as well, you know, like mm-hmm. that for a while they're just going to go. Because like I have heard this term pivot. And that mm. makes it sound very much like we got to the top and now we're going back down again or we, mm. we've turned around. We've, we've done mm. a pirouette or a twirl at the end of the runway and now we're walking back off at Fashion Week. Yeah, yeah. but they, they then it came to like this week, I'm like, there's no guarantee they're just going to not just stop for a while either and rates will just sit where they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess that's the dream scenario is that the Fed raises rates to the exact right level and then mm. just leaves it there and the economy just kicks along pretty happily mm. for a while. That's That would be the yeah. As the they say, though, it's time in the market is much better than timing the market. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not normally in the context of monetary <laughs> policy. <but laughs> it's all finance, baby. It's all finance. <laughs> but he sort of made the point, which was that, yes, we're this is probably the end of 75, mm. but we're not done yet. There's mm. still a, we think there is a ways to go. There's some ground to cover with interest rates before we get to a level that's sufficiently restrictive. He's saying the level, there's no sense that inflation is coming down. I have a table of the last 12 months of readings. There's really no pattern there. We're exactly where we were a year ago. Right. Yeah. So really, really saying like just blowing out, blowing the idea that there might be cuts coming totally mm. out of the water saying yeah we're not at, we're not at a restrictive level given you know we're not even the handbrake's not even on yet mm. and we're not seeing any indications in the inflation data that rates are coming down so mm. and there was yeah, a massive so mean, oh what <laughs> from the <yeah>. markets <laughs> you're what now seriously oh man come on jerome <laughs> Yeah, right. Seriously, down three and a half percent on the day in the Nasdaq. Yeah, like, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> markets had really, you know, pinned a lot of hope mm. on on the idea that was going to happen. Yeah, but it's I mean, there is the lag though, isn't there? This is the this is the big the hidden thing. So mm, he, mm. he might say, oh yeah, look, we're still where we were, but also we've raised rates like really quickly. So mm. if you do it that, like, it's not going to turn around that quick either. You've got to, you got to wait for all this to play out, right? Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But he did have something, something really interesting to say about the lags, mm. which have a listen to this. Remembering, of course, that, you know, if we were to over tighten, we could then use our tools strongly to support the economy. Whereas if we, if we don't get inflation, uh, under control because we don't tighten enough, now we're in a situation where inflation will become entrenched and the costs, the employment costs in particular, will be much higher potentially. Yeah, so what he's saying there, so even though he doesn't know where the, how long the lag's taken, how much the policy hikes are going to affect the economy and when, mm. it's, he seems to say his preference is to crash the economy 
and fix it later mm. than let inflation get entrenched and out of hand. Right. And that I think that was a really big red flag for markets. So markets were thinking we might be able to avoid recession and um, we might pivot earlier than expected. Powell's like, nah, I'm, I'm willing to crash the economy because yeah. I can fix it later. I've got tools to fix it later. So I'm willing to just, I'm willing to err on the side of crashing the economy wow. more than I am willing to err on the side of letting inflation get entrenched and out of hand. This so is that exactly was, the same approach that my father-in-law takes to helping me with home renovations. Like <laughs> we're trying to put some quarter rounds on the skirting boards the other day and like he just like hammering in the quarter rounds and he just smashed a hole in the skirting boards. Like, ah, don't worry, we'll patch that up later. Like, I'm like we're just kind of... <laughs> We're fixing one problem, but we're creating another one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So, and how, does, how do we feel about that approach? I mean, how does the markets well, we didn't, probably didn't like it much? Markets, yeah, markets went, oh, what? Oh, what? Again. <laughs> Again. They only have two sentiments, markets. They have, oh, what? And hooray! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. But I think, I mean, I think it's interesting, like if you look at, the, look at the, what the, the bull case and the bear case for markets is over the next six months, six to 12 months. Mm. The bull case is that we don't crash the economy and things are sort of okay and we, man, we engineer a soft landing, we have that narrow, narrow road to victory and we walk that and stocks just keep climbing that wall of worry higher and higher and just sort of drift higher from here. Right. That's, that's the bull case. Mm. And we get more and more jargon like narrow paths and walls of worry. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Again, we've got to create like, like a central bank finance analyst <laughs> let me have to create work for ourselves. <laughs> create right. jargon and then create a podcast explaining what the jargon yeah. means. All right, and what's the bear case? The bear case is that the, the Fed breaks something mm. or the RBA breaks something and they hike it till they break it. What it is, we don't know, but like a couple of weeks ago it was the UK pension system. That almost broke. Mm. You know, if the UK pension system breaks, that's bigger than Bear Stearns collapsing in the US. And I the think GFC. you'll find it's, it's bigger than Ben-Hur is the, <laughs> it's the saying. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> bigger than Bear Stearns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. Yeah, like yeah, you know, if the UK pension system collapsed, that's that's a global shock. Mm. Like that's not a American shock that gets exported. That's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's massive. It's mm. massive. But we got we got very close to that. We're going to ha- keep having things like that on the radar come up. There's going to be a lot of breakpoints. We're going to have to sort of step around with a central bank. In, you know, the Fed that's willing to break stuff mm. is saying that like they're, they're willing to break stuff. So the bear case is that something breaks, mm. something massive happens and the ass falls out of the economy. Now, if you look at like probabilistically where, you know, where the distribution lies, that wall of worry case seems to be like, yeah, what are you going to get over the next 12 months? Maybe 10%, maybe, you know optimistically 10% growth in, in markets. Mm. If the arse falls out of the economy in the UK pension market collapse, then, then what are you looking at? Like, you know, potentially, like as a bear market, it's like 20, 30, 40% mm. falls in, in equities. So 
you're looking at the balance of risks in that scenario, and that's what I think is sort of interesting in this, in what Jerome Powell's saying, is that he's saying that shifts, for me, it shifts the balance of risks. We're now skirting much closer to breaking something and a willingness to break something, mm. which then seems to shift the balance of probability, shift the, the distribution of outcomes in my mind. Yeah, interesting. The old saying rings true, doesn't it? Don't fight the Fed. That's, mm. you know, everyone's like, again, it was, yeah, it, it, was, it was predictable. It was like these markets were rallying. Everyone's like, yeah, good news is coming. And then the Fed came out, nah, 75 basis points and no end in sight. And everyone mm. went, oh, what? What? <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> All right, Thomas, what's going on at Facebook? Ooh. Other than people leaving. People leaving. Well, yeah, no, I think not. Not good things are mm. happening at Facebook or Meta. Sorry, Meta. Yeah, not, not Facebook. Yeah, yeah, Meta had a Meta had a shocker of a week last week. Took a big leg down. It's now down seventy percent on its peak mm. um, ten months ago. So yeah, if you, so, that I love that if you bought Facebook back in twenty fifteen, mm. you're now in the red. Ah. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So seven years of gains have been erased in ten months. Wow. When was their? Do you know when their IPO was? Was that twenty fifteen? Is that what you said? No, I don't. Re- I re- it was earlier than that, wasn't it? Hmm. Maybe. I remember thinking at the time, like when they IPO'd, I was like, oh, I should should probably buy. And mm. then I didn't. And then it went up and up and up and up and up. And I was like, ah, oh, I should have bought. <laughs> but now look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Winning. <I'm> good. <laughs> Um, so, so the big question then: Why are they why are they down, or why why do they think they're down? Well, this, so this is the interesting thing: is they're like they're blaming macro, and and a lot of the the big tech firms are. The big techs having a rough year. Google's down forty percent. Amazon forty five. Snaps down eighty percent. Mm. Um, and almost all of them are blaming macro, saying that um, so Meta said that the the problem is the uncertain and uncertain and volatile macroeconomic landscape mm. google's blames the challenging macro climate mm. um, snap was blaming macro headwinds so it's a pretty soft target though i mean macro can't can't fight back can it can't fight back. <laughs> can't <be. laughs> you know it's hard to it's hard for macro to defend itself against these accusations. <laughs> Apple, Apple's doing all right. So Apple's doing all right. Yeah, Apple's doing good. I mean, I think it goes to show why you need to have a macroeconomic podcast mm. in your, your weekly schedule. <laughs> and why you should really tell your friends who don't have one mm. where they might be able to find one, for example. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if Zuckerberg was listening to Comedian versus Economist, Mm. then he might understand more of the nuance in the macro market rather than just mm. a, a, taking a sledgehammer to macro as a thing yeah. Yeah. that he clearly doesn't understand. He could get, yeah. the, get a handle on the bigger picture. Yeah. No, Meta would probably be up 70% <laughs> if he'd been listening to us. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so they're blaming the macro thing. But, yeah, it is a soft target. It's a bit of, and it is a little bit of a cop-out. I mean, the interesting thing is, like, you're looking at, so they're blaming ads. It's ads is the revenue. I mean, Meta is an ads business, so mm. ads account for ninety eight percent of their revenue. And but you look, and that sort of and ad advertising revenue typically goes down when the economy is sluggish. Mm. But so far, we haven't seen that play out in the data yet. So consumer spending in the US, in particular, is holding up. Yeah, zero point six percent two months in a row now. So that's going okay. US GDP surprised to the upside in the last quarter. 
2.6 annualized. So that's stronger than expected. And largely that's what we're seeing is in sort of the key markets. The data is still coming in stronger than expected. Everyone's expecting things to slow, but we haven't seen that just yet. So there's a sort of a little bit of a question mark over how true that macro story is. Mm. And the other one that, that sort of speaks against it is Apple still killing it. So Apple's yeah. Know, beat earnings in its in its last report. They're not so dependent on advertising though, like like Meta is. That's true. That's so true. you know, Meta and Google in particular, but they're still very consumer facing. Yeah, yeah, like, true. Yeah, like they're not like yeah, yeah. Not, they're not an infrastructure or commodities play. They're you know, mm. they're still dealing with consumers and they're high end consumer goods, which you know typically tend to t- they're not a, they're not an essential. Mm. But yeah, so. I mean, the other stat I love is Apple's got a market cap of $2.4 trillion. Yeah, three years ago, it was twice as valuable as Meta. It's now 10 times as valuable. Wow. Should have bought Apple. So, so Zuckerberg, like, so his big thing is that the advertising revenue's fallen away and he's blaming mm. macro conditions mm. for that. Has he thought about taking a leaf out of Elon Musk's book and just yelling at and threatening advertisers <laughs> to stay on his platform? <laughs> Yeah, he's not quite the visionary <laughs> that Elon Musk is. Uh, I mean, he's talking like, is, is Twitter blaming the macro environment at the moment too or is, is Twitter just oh, self-aware man. of might have some other issues <laughs> yeah. such as laying off <laughs> half of its staff? Apparently they've started hiring them back again. I've just the latest update from, right. from the, the world of Twitter is that people who were laid off have now been started hiring, started hiring them back. Um, I saw an article, the BBC reached out to Twitter for a comment and found that the Twitter marketing department had all been laid off, <laughs> <laughs> therefore unavailable. Yeah, all sorts of crazy going on at Twitter. But mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, th- the other thing that's, Meta's, that's really going on for Meta and and I think it's probably Snap as well, is the Apple's app tracking transparency policy, Mm. uh, which came in a little while ago, not not that long ago in the scheme of things, um, which, yeah, stops stops apps tracking your your movements across the the device. Um, Only 16% of users agree to being tracked, which even I find like a kind of surprising number. Yeah, but that's that's just the portion of the population that just click yes. Right. (laughs) Like I think you'll find, you know, if you look at phishing stats, there's probably around 16%. Right. Um, so, you know, like you could yeah. put something in front of, you know, I don't know, someone, pick a relative, and you'd probably, probably just click yes. So I think yeah, that's, right. that's probably <laughs> where, mm. that, where that stat comes from. Yeah, right. I don't have Facebook installed on my phone anymore, but sometimes I need to, like, check marketplace to buy something so i have to install it and i have to go through that that process every time and it just makes me laugh it's like come uh-huh. on please can we just track you just a bit it's really important <laughs> like no mm. so it, what's yeah. the future for meta are we talking kind of are they is there a risk that they won't survive is that is that where we're heading so a lot of people a lot of people are saying that yeah saying that the metaverse is where stocks go to die is the <laughs> that's around at the moment, right? But yeah, I mean, so I think I think it is in trouble. Mm. Like, and yeah, so so because they don't have that data, they don't they can't target their ads as well as they used to. Yeah, which makes the ads less valuable, which means that 
advertisers are willing aren't willing to spend as much on them. Mm. And actually, is interesting thing I read that that's having a big impact on small business. There was a, a survey of small e-commerce companies in America that's shown that um, the cost of customer acquisition has gone up tenfold since Apple brought in their transparency policy. Yeah. Because they don't they can't, they don't have the ability to target their prospective customers anymore. Yeah, right. So, it's, so that's, yeah, so, and they're reducing their spending and they've got to take more of a scattergun approach. They can't mm. directly target the ads. So it's, it's having an impact on Meta, but it's also passed down the chain and the advertisers aren't having a, a great run with it as well. Mm. So, so, so that's a sort of, a, they're in trouble with that. Um, but the, the interesting counter argument to that, which I read, which I thought was interesting, is saying that that, the ATT, that Apple app tra- tracking transparency policy, it, it blankets applies to everyone in the ecosystem. It applies to all apps. Mm. TikTok, which is Facebook's big competitor, which is eating some of their lunch, but not as much as most people think. Mm. TikTok has some kind of workaround for ATT, ah. but we don't know what it is because it's sort of locked up in China. Because it's developed in China. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, but somehow they're still getting around it, so... They're not as effective, but that's probably not going to last. So TikTok's probably going to get hit by at at some point. I too. would like to know more detail about that too before mm. before I throw any weight behind that claim. But that's interesting. All the apps are dealing with the same policy, mm. and they're all struggling with it. Facebook is best positioned to deal with it and and find new ways to to develop targeted ads and so they're throwing a lot of money at artificial intelligence at the moment to find ways to match ads to their customers right they've got their pockets are deep enough that they're probably going to win that race yeah they're probably going to develop the best systems for develop delivering targeted ads Mm. um, without that tracking data and that's the that's the race that all apps are in at the moment tiktok and everyone Mm. Um, but Facebook's probably going to win that race. You would think they've got the most money and they've got a head start. And they've had that, they've had it easy for a while because Apple's been allowing them to track. But without that, it's just a new game and there's just a reset. Mm. But they're probably, they're, some guy's saying though, that's their moat. They're going to, they're going to develop the best track. They're going to develop the best matching system. Mm. And that will, that will serve them as a moat and, 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 and become, be very expensive to develop similar kind of matching Systems yeah. that Facebook's probably going to come up with over the next twelve months. Yeah, right. Because I got I got to admit that I think a pop up on every website you visit asking you to accept cookies might not be the might not be the end game for us. So I think we <laughs> surely we can do better as a as an internet digital society than this stupid pop up <laughs> that comes on every website I visit saying, "Do you want to accept all these tracking cookies?" Um, of course, yeah. we all individuals. It's like the end user licensing agreement. You just you mm. just accept and move on. I don't even know what cookies are. <laughs> <laughs> yummy, Thomas. They're yummy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you can of course find us across all of Meta's platforms: Instagram and Facebook at CVE Podcast. <laughs> um, though maybe we'll have to broaden our horizons. Mastodon, I believe, is the the new one of choice. It's the new Twitter. I spent three minutes with it, and it was already too. To the barrier to entry was too high. It said, "What server do you want to join?" I'm like, "I'm out. I'm out." All right. Before we get to the break, uh, Thomas, I just got a couple of listener emails that came through during the week. Um, last week we were talking about Toyota's chip shortage and how they were going to start uh, going old school and giving giving out physical keys instead of smart keys. 
Uh, Alan sent us an email, cve at equitymates.com. Uh, he just gave us some car key explanations, a bit of an explainer. And I think he's filled in the missing piece because you and I were arguing or maybe at least not seeing eye to eye on the need for a, a chip and the key. Uh, and he's explained it. So there's a physical key, which is the one that you stick in and turn the barrel. That's the old school model. Then there's the immobilizer, which is a chip that's built in into the key as well. And so you can turn the key in the barrel but if the immobilizer is not present and not really close, uh, it does work over Wi-Fi, then um, that's the bit that won't, that I think you were talking about last week where mm, I was getting a bit mm, confused. Mm. So it's that immobilizer that, that's, that's needed. Because I was getting confused here because my car doesn't have a barrel. It doesn't have a key at all. Uh-huh. It's just got yeah. a, a fob. And that fob has to be closed before the car will start with the little button that says start the car. So, yeah, so there you go. So thank you, yeah. Alan, for clearing that up. I think the immobilizer yeah. might have been the, the missing piece of that puzzle. Uh, does, yeah. that, does that help you too, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Cheers, Alan. Mm. Appreciate that. Nice one. Uh, and Hugh also sent us a message. Hugh said that the, the chip shortage, uh, we've linked to a podcast, which we'll actually link as well. Uh, if you head over to our Instagram page, uh, and link, uh, look in the bio, there's a link to our link tree, which you'll find this link, hopefully, by the time this comes, comes to air. Um, said maybe that the chip shortage is a hangover effect uh, from overreactions during COVID. Did you get across this, Tom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to listen to the podcast. It was a good one from um, the crew at Anderson Howitz. Um, yeah, it's talking about like a lot of the, the um, auto, auto manufacturers canned a lot of cancelled a lot of orders for chip, chips um, because I thought demand was going to collapse uh, at the same time as demand from consumer manufacturers exploded um, and there was that sort of switching that happened. Mm. Um, yeah, and that, that's part of the story. I mean, the interesting thing I learned from it was that um, auto manufacturers are well down the list of priorities for chip uh, producers right. because they just don't consume anywhere near the quantities of like your tech companies. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that's sort of part of why they're still automakers are more stuck than you're not hearing it so much about consumer electronics. You're hearing it about autos. Mm. Um, it's very hard, it's lo- very hard to turn your phone on with a, an old school key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't have as many that's options for starting your phone as you do with your car. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Maybe it's the immobilizer though. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I learned from that podcast, which is interesting, is that, that uh, semiconductor production is incredibly water intensive. Yeah. So when t- Taiwan had a drought last year, um, it sort of impacted water production. And then in some regions of where the, in the regions where they're, the Taiwan semiconductors have their big fa- uh, factories, mm. they, they consume 10 percent of the local water. Wow. So, yeah. So if there's droughts and more climate change, that's going to impact semiconductor production. Yeah. More, yeah, more. definitely. But yeah, cheers for that. Cheers for that link. That was a really interesting podcast. Yeah, nice one. All right, let's grab a break here. Grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. You can, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or, as I said, get us on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcast. We'd also love it if you would leave us a rating or a review. Review, get that out, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. That would help us out uh, enormously. Why don't you do it now while you listen to the rest of the show? Thomas, mm-hmm. what's happening with Costco and their chickens? Yeah, so chicken prices are stable. So there have been a few articles recently saying, like, why are chicken prices, the rotisserie chickens mm. in Costco, they haven't changed since they were introduced in 2000. Right. The year 2000. So they came in, they're priced at $4.99 mm-hmm. in 2000. They're still $4.99. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Everyone's like, how are they ducking inflation? <laughs> how do they do it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, right. So they got that. So no, and not only that, they got their hot dog combo mm. um, in the food court. Costco's in America have a food court, I've learned. Um, but you get a hot dog and a 20-ounce 20, 20 Pepsi. For one dollar fifty, wow. that, all, that hasn't changed in thirty years. That's amazing. Um, not only that, the Pepsi it had, comes with unlimited refills. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. Uh, yeah, it's right. Not like you got to have a responsible service of sugar mm. kind of license or something. Unlimited refills of Pepsi. Yeah, I mean, twenty ounces should be enough for most people, I would think, without <laughs> the need to go and refill your twenty ounces. What the, what's twenty ounces? Why even why even specify the ounceage on the <laughs> <laughs> on the ad? Like you've just got you've got unlimited access to Pepsi. That should be the selling point. Not you get yeah. a twenty ounce Pepsi with unlimited refills. It doesn't matter. The initial size is of no consequence whatsoever. <laughs> uh, I did. I saw this article and I thought, I wonder whether they've managed to keep prices for chickens low because I know Costco is in Australia as well now. Uh, oh, are they? So, yeah, I hit, I hit up the Costco Australia website. Uh, do you know what a rotisserie chicken at Costco Australia costs, Thomas? No, how much? $6.99. Oh. Which seemed pretty reasonable. There's a catch. Mm. Minimum order of 20 chickens. <laughs> what? <laughs> so you can get a, a cooked rotisserie chicken at Costco Australia for 6.99 but you have to order a minimum of 20 chickens. Um, the thing I love most about it though is that was I had a look on their Costco website and it said that you know at the bottom they try and sell you other things it was like frequently bought together with and so this <laughs> so people buying 20 chickens apparently are also buying a Montmartre Creative Craft Station for $209, <laughs> an A1 Heritage water rowing machine <laughs> for $1,199 and frequently also bought together with 20 rotisserie chickens is a Natutsi Group top grain leather sofa for $17.99.99. So... <laughs> 
There was even reviews of the chickens. Of the 20 chicken purchase, one's five-star review from someone who said, who said they were organising a feed for the rowing club and they were able to save $60 compared with normal supermarket chickens where they would have paid well over $200, um, which does explain why the Heritage water rowing machine is frequently purchased <laughs> with 20 rotisserie chickens. <laughs> it's got all wow. your rowing needs, Costco. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anyway, I just, I, I just, it was, it was the, the, the rotisserie chicken website of Costco in Australia was the website that just kept on giving the more I read it. Wow. Um, That's great. Yeah. Anyway, so what, so back yeah. to the, back to the US and four ninety nine for a chicken there, mm, Jimmy, you can just buy the one. Um, mm. So this is, this yeah. is just like a, this is just a marketing thing, right? I think so. Yeah. So, though, if if the chicken had had kept pace with inflation, they'd be selling for eight dollars thirty one right. today. Mm. But so they're they're underpriced. So yeah. But Costco, there seems to be there's a bit of a game going there, and they're what they call a loss leader. Mm. So they they're super cheap to get people in the stores because once there are people there, you're not just buying one chicken. <laughs> buying twenty. <laughs> it's a minimum of twenty if you're in, if you're in Australia. Can you buy one chicken in Australia? It's just the price is a minimum of 20. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll, uh, yeah, right. I'll have to do yeah. more research. More research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, so you look at, the, I saw a map of, of where the chickens are placed in your average Costco mm. and you've got to walk through 60% of the store to get mm. the chicken and get to the cashier and out. Right. So they make you... They make you go through a lot of stuff to mm. get there so, so that's that's part of it you get people in the door mm. and then there's what, what they call value signaling um is saying that it's a sort of a branding thing it reinforces the idea that costco is a good has good deals they're saying that consumers then asso- associate costco with fairness and benevolence <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like if you keep going and getting a chicken, you know you can always go there and get one for five bucks mm. and that never changes, then I guess you do. You, you kind of go, wow, that's good. And they, they, they're good Costco. They never, never jack up their prices. Yeah, but it's not benevolent. They're doing it out of it's a marketing ploy, right? <laughs> like it's not benevolent. Hey, potato, potato. <laughs> The story I love, I don't remember, like, back when I was living in Sydney, there was, like, a cyclone in Queensland, Cyclone Yassi or something, which then led to a banana shortage. Yeah. Remember the banana shortage? Anyway, there was this... um, And the the price of bananas went up to, like, $15 a kilogram or something. Yeah. This uh, fruit and veg place in Ramwick came out and said, there is no banana shortage. It's just a conspiracy (laughs) between the... Food duopoly and big banana. And <laughs> Wait, and big banana or the big banana? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so yeah, so there is no thing, and he's saying like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm refusing to increase the prices of my bananas. Bananas should be cheap, and they're going to stay cheap. Right. So this guy, and then got like a massive amount of press. Got like got interviewed everywhere, mm. and then had like. Uh, a um, 
queue of cars outside the grocer. Wow. Like a couple of hundred metres long because everyone was coming to get the cheap bananas. Everyone was outraged that they had to pay yeah, yeah, know, right. $15 a banana. But I think in the end it just turned out it was just – he was just loss leading. He was just like, I'm going to get a massive amount of free publicity here by selling Brilliant. cheap bananas. Yeah, genius, genius. He would have he would have slayed it. Like mm. he would have sold so much. Yeah, and, but see, yeah. this is and this is the thing, right? You're we're sitting mm. here going, "Wow, what a genius!" Like, you know, just because Costco's a massive like conglomerate, mm. why is there any less genius? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think the thing that's that's <laughs> that's a bit tricky is that like there's this concept of predatory pricing, right? Which is where you do like what they're doing here. Mm. You sort of undersell some things and you do it because you've got the size to do it. So like if you're a small IGA or something, you might not be able to, to loss lead on your chickens because mm. um, you, you just can't take that hit. Yeah. So Costco is taking a hit on, the, on these chickens in order to get other, other things through the store. Mm. They're able to do that partly because of their size. And if they're able to do that because of their size, that kills your smaller competitors, which concentrates the market in a smaller number of players and then you eventually end up with a monopoly. Mm. So like the ACCC would look at something like, would potentially look at something like this and go like, oh, this is going to create a monopoly if we let this go on mm. and we need to sort of get involved if someone complained and said there's predatory pricing. But it's also, it's like, but what, it's it's it's, it's hard to define. Mm. It's a, and, you know, what's, what's predatory pricing and what's just legitimate sales and getting people through the door and marketing so you know the local igas certainly the ones around here i just don't think they've got this floor space either to stock a top grain leather sofa or a (laughs) (laughs) or a water water rowing machine to uh to bring in bring in those high margin products people like to buy when they're buying chickens (laughs) (laughs) all right finally on the show thomas uh you wouldn't steal a car or would you? Personally? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm of course, referencing the anti-piracy ads from the early 2000s. New information about those ads recently. What's going on? Yeah, it, turn, yeah, it turns out they, they didn't work. Yeah. So the, the, <laughs> I could have told the, you that in the early 2000s. <laughs> Yeah, but no, so, so some behavioural economists at the ESCA School of Management in France mm. uh, did a study on it and tried to look at why they worked and why they didn't work. What they found is they didn't work. Um, and the, yeah, so a couple of reasons for that. One is that uh, more arguments are not better, that um, weak arguments dilute strong ones. So the sort of anti, anti-piracy campaigns around the 2000s were, didn't have a sort of a clear argument for why it was wrong. They had a sort mm. of a number of arguments and um, a number of sort of lines of attack that they were running. And what they found is that more is not better. Yeah. That you do, if you give consumers more arguments, it just dilutes the, dilutes the strength of your good arguments and you, don't, you aren't more convincing. Mm. So, like, three, uh, three points isn't as strong as one really good point is right. sort of what they're saying, which I thought was – I think is interesting is sort of just true of humans. If you've got one good argument, just mm. stick with that. Don't, don't, the, don't. the analogy was always a problem for me. Like, it was like you wouldn't steal a car. Mm. It didn't match because you couldn't make a copy of a car and then give 
like mm. give the copy or keep a copy and your friend gets a copy and your mum gets a copy and so mm. there was this whole the whole angle of stealing it didn't feel like stealing yeah they didn't they didn't do well to convey why pirate pirating something was stealing mm. so i think that's that was the point a lot of people didn't really think it was yeah stealing i actually i misheard it at first I, when I, the first time I, I heard it i actually thought it was a challenge because i thought they said you couldn't steal a television and Oh, look, I just got to apologise to my neighbours whose TV went inexplicably <laughs> missing around the time of the campaign because I heard you couldn't steal a television. I was like, you, you watch me? Of course I could. Um, <laughs> I think the other the problem, the other problem was that the warning was at the start. Like, right. as you didn't know whether, if the movie was any good yet. So you, right. didn't, you didn't know whether you wanted to rip them off or not. <laughs> so you just sort of ignored it until you saw, you know, you were keen to get to the movie. They should have played it at the end. At the end. So you, at the end of the movie, movie finishes or just before the, the final climactic scene. Oh, um, yeah, right. Just, just, just in the we're best We're just going to take a short break here just before the final scene <laughs> just to let you know, if you've been enjoying this film, don't steal it. The, the, other, the other thing they found is that you, so didn't not only did it not discourage, ste- like, stealing mm. in air quotes uh, but it actually encouraged more piracy because it's what they're saying is it normalized the idea of of pirating content right the people who you know a lot of people would have seen it would never even occurred to them that you could pirate it that there was pirate copies of movies out there yeah they were like oh really like there's people are pirating this stuff why am I paying? Yeah, you really, you really, they really like put it shark. straight in front of people, didn't they? Like, because yeah. yeah, it was back in the days of the video store. So you would have gone to mm. the video store, you would have hired, shout out to the younger listeners who are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> um, you, you went to the video store and you hired a, a DVD and you took it home. If you really liked it, your option to keep that DVD was to go and buy it. Like mm. that would have been your next step if you were like, oh, I love yeah. that movie so much, I just want to have a copy of it. You'd go to Big W or somewhere and you'd buy it. Whereas if you, the first thing you see when you play the, the rented copy is you wouldn't steal a car and blah, 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 don't pirate DVDs. Yeah, you're right. You'd go, what? There's pirating. Well, I should look mm. at that before I go and spend twenty four ninety nine on a, a copy of White yeah, Men Can't Jump. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, interesting. That's right. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. So apparently, that's why it made it worse. That 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 whole ad. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Stands to reason. The funniest thing of all was that it turns out the soundtrack on the "You Wouldn't Steal a Car" piracy campaign was actually stolen. Yeah. Yeah. So they there was a I think it was a Dutch artist a Dutch ele- mm. electro music artist he made this thing for like a small batch of um, of movies and then it got rolled out with something I think it was Lord of the Rings maybe Harry Potter Harry Potter he made it and then gave it to like the Dutch music industry right. body or rights management thing or something yeah and then they gave it to Hollywood brilliant. And but then never paid him on the other side. Yeah. And so Hollywood was like, oh, my mate just made me a copy and <laughs> I just thought it was all right, I could use it. <laughs> so the anti-piracy ad was using pirated music. <laughs> uh, that's a nice note to finish on, I reckon. Uh, all right, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I say, if you could rate and review the show wherever you, wherever you hear it, that would be much, much, much appreciated. Uh, but for us, it's bye for now. 
You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.